come in front of friends today just to share the, the word of God. And uh, for those who are following this on the download, <clears throat> weren't here during the time of worship, very much praying that God would move by his spirit in the nation in revival. And people from various languages spoke that out, spoke out that truth. And <clears throat> it's been something very much in my heart the last few days. The, was it Psalm 63 that says, O oh Lord, my God, earnestly I will seek you. My soul longs for you. My flesh cries for you in a long and in a, um, dry and weary land where there is no water. But thus I have beheld you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Fantastic. Now what happens after that? Let's see. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I will live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, with praising lips. I will give you thanks. What an amazing God. Brothers and sisters, let's not lose what God has already said to us today. <clears throat> we're, looking at this, we're carrying on with Galatians, just really looking at the grace of God and uh, the Apostle Paul in his heart to say to people, you've received Jesus, don't get back into legalism. And uh, we're looking today at fruit for the barren. And uh, if you'd like to turn to Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. And uh, I would like to say publicly thank you to Helen for putting these scriptures together at such short notice. So, Galatians chapter 4. <clears throat> Can be a bit dry, but just bear with me because we're going to get a few stories in here and see how... God is trying to tell us it's about grace, not about law. So this is Paul speaking. He says, tell me, you Galatians, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, that was Hagar, and the other by a free woman, that was Sarah. This son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son, by the free woman, was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively. For the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai that bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia. That corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is of our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Cry aloud, break forth. No, sorry, I did that the wrong way around, didn't I? Who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have had no labor pains, because more are the women of children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now, you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Hallelujah. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. Boy, is it the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share 
in inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of a slave woman, but of a free woman. Ever read over that one quickly and you're through the year with Jesus? Oh, that's nice. Let's read the psalm now. It's a bit easier. (laughs) But simply, barren. Maybe you've never encountered Jesus. That brings a barrenness and an emptiness to life, believe me. And if you're barren and empty, then you're rudderless. You have no direction in your life. And this morning, I've got no quick, clever solutions to sort that out. All I can do is simply present to you Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and ask him by his Spirit to impress on your heart the grace that he has for you. So the context is that we ought to live in freedom of sons and not return to the law We'll try and create things that will impress God and make him love us more. Now, Galatians keeps referring to uh, the story of Abraham. So we're going to do a quick whistle-stop tour of the life of Abraham, or Abraham, as he's called initially. So if you'd like to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Going to get lots of scripture this morning. So let's get a bit of background on Abraham, these two sons, and what on earth all this Hagar and mountains and New Jerusalem, all that, all that means. Let's get a bit of context. So Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 4 says this. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him as his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Aaron. Retired people, I'm after you this morning. You probably looked and said, oh no, Julian's got the one about old people hearing from God. Well, yes, I have. Anybody here 75 or older, with every eye closed and every head bowed? (laughs) Oh, surely not. Well, let me tell you, God hasn't finished with you yet. God has not finished with you yet. You know, people say, oh, yes, I've had my three score years and ten. You know, it's three score years and no, it isn't. Psalm 90, verse 10 and 11. Three score years and ten is related to the curse of people who are disobedient. So don't buy that rubbish, okay? You keep going till the Lord calls you home, or if he comes again, as we heard earlier. God has plenty for older people to do and be and to enjoy him. We are moving to Briary School, Green Hill. That is a challenge. That is scary. Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't fit into that. Because obviously we're going to become a young people's church, aren't we? No. We are a family, a family community. That includes everybody. And there is plenty that the Lord has in store for older and retired people. Plenty. Don't believe the lie that there's nothing left for you. Because Abraham was 75 and he was just kicking off. It was just starting. So don't buy your slippers yet, Fred. (laughs) But there's a man who isn't. Is there? I didn't hear young, ha-ha, 
I didn't stand up this morning and say, I believe God wants to bring revival and us to seek him. It was Fred that brought it. We need to hear the wisdom of our older people. So open your ears, older people. Rest in his grace. Enjoy his presence. Hear him. You may have promises still to be fulfilled in your life. He may have new promises that he still wants to give you. Don't just wait for the next letter from the doctors for the next appointment because God has not finished with you yet. Do I hear an amen? (laughs) Or do I need to speak louder? (laughs) In Acts chapter 7 and verse 2, there's a man called Stephen who's been moving in the power of God and uh, the Jewish people don't like it very much, especially the leaders, and they drag him before this kangaroo court where he has to give his defense. And interesting enough, the Apostle Paul is present in some shape or form at that, and in the end consents to Stephen's death. So it's pretty heavy-duty stuff. But Stephen's giving his defense, and he said, he says, it's the God of glory that appeared to our fathers in Mesopotamia. It's the God of glory. We've heard this morning about a God of glory, and he is a God of glory. Even in this humdrum, ordinary, everyday life that we live, we have a God of glory, and this God of glory just appeared to this man. And I believe this God of glory can appear to us as well. Who's going to set the prisoners free? Who's going to, who's going to get people free on Green Hill? Who's going to draw the young people? It's going to be God. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be the glory of God breaking out when the sick are healed and the demonized are set free, when the lost are found and when the poor are comforted and treated with dignity. You can say amen if you want. If not, because there's no pressure here. <laughs> it's grace. But look at Abraham. You know, he made a pretty good start. He heard God and he was obedient. He then experienced famine. He then lied to a king. He then had to go and get his nephew from the baddies. And then he was involved in some wars. So he was a pretty ordinary guy. Okay? He didn't just sit there having a wonderful time with Jesus, really easy life. He had to fight. And uh, there's anyone here that doesn't have to fight, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> okay. But in Genesis 15, and, and Steve covered this so well, so do listen to the download. When, when Abraham, was put into, Abraham was put into this deep sleep by God, and he awoke. And do you remember the two, the animals that had been cut in half, apart from the bird? And the presence and the glory of God was moving through those, through those animal pieces, making a covenant. A one-sided covenant. It's one of my favorite bits of the Bible. I was so disappointed when Steve got it, not me, to preach on. But it's so wonderful that we have a God who appeared in all of his splendor and made that one-sided covenant. This is my covenant with you, and I'm going to pay the price for you to come into this relationship. It's wonderful. It's such good, good news. Then God made made a promise to Abraham, and he said his descendants would be like the stars of the heaven. Now, there's a lot of stars, so I thought, well, I used to like astronomy when I was little. So I looked up the, I got onto the interweb, you know, that computer thing, which I'm a bit scared of. And I went onto the Universe Today website, and I said, how many stars are there? And this is what I got. With the naked eye, you should be able to see about 9,000 stars if you've got reasonably good vision. 
Imagine Abraham thinking, I'm going to have 9,000. Imagine the work of God that started from this church that could reach 9,000. What if we listened to this in 20 years' time and went, we couldn't have believed it then. The ministry and the anointing that can go from this place, 9,000. With a small telescope, you can see about 15 million stars. And there is a conservative estimate that there is a septillion of stars. What's a septillion? It's a, it's a monster. It's septillion. It is that. It's quite a few, isn't it? 24 zeros. Now, that absolutely blows my mind apart. But you see, the numbers, the numbers aren't really the point. That's just uh, because uh, a scientist could probably shoot me down in flames with that or whatever. And it probably should be a 1 instead of a 24 at the front, thinking about it. But the key thing is the principle that an old man and a barren old woman, barren old woman, for she's a wise woman, that they could have so many descendants. It would blow your mind that God could call such barrenness into such fruitfulness. It is impossible, naturally speaking. So what do we do when God blows our mind? We worship, we give God thanks, we remind him of his promises, and we rest in the grace of this fantastic promise. But what, else, what else do we do? What do I do? We decide to give God a little bit of a hand because it isn't happening as quick as we hoped. This is what dear old Abraham did. So we look at Genesis 16, verses 1 to 4. And it says this. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant called Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah, took what Sarah his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. There you go. So there he was giving God a little bit of a helping hand. Now, clearly... There were natural pressures on Abraham. There were probably incredible social pressures. Earlier he said to God when he was going to inherit and have all this power, he said, surely this, this what was it, Eliezer, was it, the son of one of his slaves? He can't, he can't become my, the person who inherits everything. God said no. But all these years later, he was trying to help God along. And this is the very thing that Paul is pleading with the Galatians to avoid. He's saying, friends, do not get drawn back into law. Live in the spirit. Live in the grace. Don't revert to legalism and fleshly responses. He keeps pointing them to Jesus. He says, live in the good of the grace of Jesus. You don't need rules and regulations. You don't need to bring in the old laws to prove to God that you're a Christian. Live in the grace Don't try and fight for something that is already yours. You've already got it, so why go and fight for it? 
We keep referring to it, I know, but Galatians 1, 6 and the beginning of 7, it says this. Paul says, I am astonished, astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Then in 3, 26 and 27, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you have been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. And 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And David unpacked that last week. Can't better it. Don't be drawn back to legalism and flesh. We've been born of the Spirit. Let's stay in the Spirit. Carrying on with the story. Genesis 17, 1 to 9. When Abraham was 99 years old. Anybody here 99 years old? Anybody feel like that when they get up in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, this is, this is fantastic, isn't it? The Lord appeared to him. God keeps turning up, doesn't he? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it lovely when God keeps calling, when God keeps speaking? And he says, I am the Lord God Almighty. El Shaddai. I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you. And will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, "As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will no longer be a fa- you will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham, which means exalted father. Exalted father. Well done, Joe. Brilliant. But you will be called Abraham, which means." Father of many nations. It's not bad, is it? For I have made you the father of many nations. There you go. Bit of tautology in the Bible. I will make you very fruitful. I will make you make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Oh, they certainly did. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. What a promise. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give to you as an everlasting possession, uh, you and your descendants after you, and I will be your God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. I mean, just... Have you noticed something about this? 99 years of age, God, this God of glory, appears to Abraham. And he said, what does he say to him? He said, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, if I'd been God, I would have said, Abraham, I'm pretty glorious. Now, you keep missing the plot here, Sunbeam. You're getting it wrong. You had Ishmael. You've really blown it. You've really messed up. You realize that, don't you? But he doesn't. 
he just reiterates who he is. When we blow it, we don't have to go into great depths of how I blow it. We just need to lift our eyes up to the grace and the wonder and the awesomeness and almightiness of God. What grace? He simply says to him, walk before me. Walk before me. He doesn't have a go at him. I just think it's absolutely astonishing. You see, God wants to commission us, not tell us off. It's the world that says you've done that wrong and that wrong and that wrong. Yes, we need to repent, but, not say but, that's important. But God wants to commission us, not keep telling us off. Don't believe the lie. Genesis 15, verse 18, it said this. It said, God made a covenant with Abraham. Yet in 17, verse 7, God says, I will establish my covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Now, the word make roughly means to create or start something. The verb establish, it means to set up on a permanent basis, to bring about contact, to achieve permanent acceptance or recognition. So God made something, now God was going to establish something. God is calling us, isn't he, as a church? We're moving on, we're growing, we're going to move to a new location to create that space for more people to come and join us. My prayer is not that God will just make it happen, but that God will establish something which will last and will be permanent and will grow Yes? <laughs> yeah? That's what we long for. Not, oh, we've just moved and isn't it great? We've got some new banners and a bit more hassle with car park. But God is going to establish something that I believe can go to the nations from this church. Why not? Weren't we praying that earlier? God send revival. Start with me. <laughs> By your grace. Oh, that God would establish the work that he's initiating. So back to 17, 15 to 22, says this. God also said to Abraham, so God has a lot to say. And this is before Jesus came. Imagine how much he's got to say to you. <clears throat> God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai, but you will call her Sarah. I will bless her. And I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples, king, sorry, kings of peoples will come from her. He didn't say, I'm going to have a quiet word with her for giving you bad advice years ago. He is a God of grace. A God of grace. Abraham fell face down and laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Good question. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might, might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael... Yep, I've heard you. I will surely bless him, and I will make him fruitful, and will greatly increase his numbers. He will become the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant 
I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. We do need wisdom. We need wisdom to hear God, don't we? When we have to make decisions. Here was a challenge. Here was a challenge for Abraham. You're going to have a son. And it's going to be through Sarah. That was a challenge. That, that was pulling everything in him. What do you do when you hear God speak and what he says seems impossible? What do you do when someone comes to you for counsel and they speak to you and say something which seems crazy? Steve and I often have this little joke, I suppose, about wrestling with the word of God. You know, Can you preach on this scripture? And you wrestle with it because... You have to wrestle with it. The Bible says, in fact, the book of James, which you're going to be studying shortly together, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Proverbs says that God is with us in many counselors. So sometimes asking wisdom, David, Fred, whatever, you can get wisdom and you can try start forming a picture. And yet sometimes things don't add up, do they? Samson... Another man in the Bible, he, went, he, he, told his, he told his parents that he wanted to marry this woman who wasn't from their people. And the family were very, very upset about it. But he went and did it anyway. But they did not know that God was stirring his heart. I grapple with it. We've heard about Joseph. How could you take this lovely, slightly arrogant lad and throw him into prison? But God knew what he was doing. We know the end of Joseph. God meant it for good, even though you meant it for evil. Look at the life of Gideon, when they, he had all the, all the baddies were taking over his land. And he, the most insignificant person from an insignificant tribe, was called to deliver Israel. And he had thousands of people. And God said, too many, too many. And uh, he got it down to 300 now, as someone being a Christian, I'd counsel them, well, you need to be wise, maybe keep 10,000 just in case. But it was God. So, brothers and sisters, let, let's, let's grapple carefully with the wisdom and leaning of God. It's certainly true for Julie and I personally at the moment, grappling with what is God saying? What is my emotion? What is my history? What does the word say? Let's grapple with it, but we do need one another. Let's pray and most of all, ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Because when the Holy Spirit leads us, no matter how weird something seems, others around us will get a sense, you know what, this is weird, but it's right. Reading a bit of Terry Virgo's book this morning, um, No, Well-Worn Paths, Well-Worn Paths. And he talks about how people felt led to different countries. And he was going, well, this is crazy, that can't be right. He's our best man, you can't send him to Africa. God said, oh, yes, we can. And it worked out. So we have to grapple and work these things through. And as we grow, there will be more challenges like this. Lord, please help us. <laughs> oh, dear. But, oh, dear. Genesis seventeen eighteen. It's, it's a verse in the Bible that I really understand, but it really gets me. It says, Abraham cries it. I said, oh, God, the Ishmael, ouch, the Ishmael would live before you and be blessed. Oh dear, 
You know, maybe it was because of his unbelief. I don't know. Maybe it was frustration. Maybe he wanted the status quo. Maybe it was his father's love for Ishmael. But maybe he should have been a bit more cautious before praying that prayer. We sometimes need to be careful about what we pray. Not a fear thing. It's about grace. But Father, help us to pray. Teach us to pray. Show us how to pray. As we've seen, God is very gracious when Abraham made many serious mistakes. And he will be gracious to us. But let's be wise. Or is it quick quick to listen and slow to speak? You see, the descendants of Ishmael have been a thorn in the side of Isaac's descendants. Would that have happened if Abraham hadn't prayed? I don't know. I'm I'm not clever on that. It's none of my business, really. But we do know that God is a God of grace. And that when we pray, we can make our requests known to him. And he'll nudge us in the right direction. One scripture that Julia and I love, which our interpretation is, and we could be wrong, we're open to be corrected, but it says... If you go to the right or the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Just our kind of take on that is that you have to be walking. And then God says, no, no, son, that way. Okay, Lord. The voice behind you, you've got to be moving. Um, It could be a bit pedantic. But if you move to the right or left, then I think you have to step out. And then God says, no, no, I'm not calling you to Africa. Just no, no, I don't, you've been looking at taking your kids to that school, but actually, it's okay. I've got it in hand. It's, again, wisdom. It all comes down to our relationship with a good father, not about getting it right. It's the grace of God. David covered this so, wonderful, so wonderfully last week. You know, I'm going to determine to work harder. I'm just going to work harder at my Bible reading. I'm going to pray more. Now Julian says, I've got to listen to God's voice. Oh, I'd better do that as well then. No, no, it's the grace of God. If you missed last week, get it. We're never going to fulfill homemade rules. Romans 5, 17 says this. For if by the trespass or sin of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, all of us, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? Through the one man, Jesus Christ. It always points to one person, Jesus. Jesus, all we need. Look at Abraham. As we said, he lived in the real world, real battles, terrible character flaws, awful character flaws. He even got a king and and most of his mates all killed and cursed and famined. What was it? Um, They were covered in leprosy or something because he lied about Sarah being his wife, saying that he was his sister. He wasn't always the nicest piece of work, our Abraham. What other challenges did he face? Well, Abraham, (laughs) I think one of the biggest challenges he faced was knowing that he'd met with God. And then for 13 years, he had to live with the fact that he'd blown it. He'd had Ishmael. God hadn't said that. He'd had Ishmael. Just imagine every morning waking up for your quiet time. There he is, gets up, gets his scroll out, goes to sit at the back of the tent. Oh, I'm going to seek the Lord my God. And you can hear Ishmael running around outside playing. Well, I caught a goat. Ah. He was confronted, I believe, daily by his failure and by the fact he'd blown it. 
He'd messed up. Everybody knew his wife, his new wife, the slaves, probably even Ishmael. They all knew that he'd blown it. And yet God, in his abundant goodness and kindness, did not forget his promise. God is faithful and he is full of grace. Is it the same? Do you find the same sometimes? Sit down for your quiet time or decide to pray or I'm going to take up Fred's challenge. I'm going to pray for the church. So, Lord, I pray for revival. And the little whisper comes in your head. That relationship with those years ago was wrong, wasn't it? <sighs> Shouldn't have done that. Do you remember that? Oh, you're still living with the consequences of this. See, the accusations come. But with Abraham, Isaac was coming. You see, when those accusations come, remember, God was sent another son. His name is Jesus Christ, and he delivers us from condemnation. He delivers us and he can redeem situations as we looked at two or three years ago. Our God is alive and he is well able to redeem situations. What's happened has happened, but God can redeem situations. Don't ask me how, but he can do it. You see, while we were lost in our sin and our rebellion, going our own way, while I was going my own way, God sent his son. That wonderful scripture, isn't it? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Absolutely fantastic. It's so simple. We just say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've gone my own way. I've blown it. I was born sin. I've done things wrong. Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. Take away that sin that I can come and be part of your family. It's crucial, brothers and sisters, this is what we need to be saying to people. Not like hitting them over the head with it, but as we get close to people in these coming weeks and months, just saying there's a God that loves you, there's a God that can redeem, there is a God so full of grace. In the Philip Yancey book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he talks about a man who says the world can offer charity, the world can offer help, the world can even heal the sick, but the world cannot offer grace. Saving grace. Something I'm, I've got to learn to be more gracious. I know I get very judgmental. Not, not in here really, don't think. Sometimes out there. I'm going, Lord, it's your grace. The grace you showed to me. Help me to show that to others. Ishmael, Isaac. As I said... You might have made, got things wrong, but we have a God who can turn our disappointments into his appointments. I really believe that. You only have to read the book to see how God turned around desperate and completely lost situations. So Paul, Paul brings his sort of dissertation to the to Galatians to an end, and he speaks to them out of Jewish history. He tells them that Hagar was the bondmaid, the slave. Mount Sinai, the law, those all linked together. And yet Sarah was the free woman. She was free from the law and was under grace and under the new covenant. The Ishmael was born by the flesh, I by human design. But Isaac was born under the promise, under the Holy Spirit. God's invitation continues to us, continues to us to be that we be a people who don't try and make it happen in the flesh, but that we're people born of the Spirit, and then living in the Spirit of God. We were born in bondage, 
But now through Jesus and his grace, we don't have to return to that bondage in any shape or form. One verse in Galatians uh, 4.29 says this, as we just wrap up now. At the time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. And it is the same today. Yes, <laughs> does God speak to you? Do you have something in the Spirit? And then the flesh kicks in. Did you have a word of knowledge this morning during the worship? And Well, this is really weird. I really think God's calling us to pray for the nation, but I don't know. I'm not sure about that. And then David says it. And then Fred says it, you're going, oh, blow. It was God speaking to me. Spirit speaks to spirit. We can learn. You say, well, I believe God's talking to us about, you know, building fire engine in Malaysia. Well, that might be God. Probably not appropriate for a Sunday morning. Talk to David and John. Who knows? But do you see what I mean? Spirit. Let's, let's um, train our spirit. I think David was talking about this earlier. Through the word of God, through prayer, through time in the presence of God. Let's train ourselves. I was looking at my bookcase this morning. I've got all these books on moving in the prophetic and Smith Wigglesworth and power and all this stuff from the 19th century. It's fantastic. I'm thinking, well, I need to get into it, not just have it on the sideboard. That's going to take time and commitment. But the flesh will kick in. We're having an offering for Greenhill. God, 100 pounds. Okay, Lord. Go home. Oh, oh, car's, car's broken down. That's a bit difficult. Oh, actually, I need those new shoes from Louis Vuitton. No, if God speaks to us, then let's act on what God says to us because he is well able to meet our needs. (laughs) We will be blessed. We will be blessed. Look at uh, verse 30. It says this. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. That's pretty brutal, isn't it? Pretty straight. (laughs) I thought God was supposed to be nice. Yes, but let's cast out the flesh. Let's cast out the lies, the accusations that attack and war on our minds. Cast them out with the Holy Spirit by filling our minds with the word of God, with encouragement, not as a legal obligation, but out of our relationship with a loving saviour, Jesus Christ. Verse 31 says this, Therefore, brothers, we are not children of a slave woman, but of a free woman. Paul reiterates that we are no longer slaves. We were born in slavery, but Jesus Christ has delivered us from slavery. And we are part of a new kingdom with a new hope, with a new nature. We are saved by grace and not by works. I'm going to leave all that. Just in closing, you know, as as we're looking to move our Sunday location to Green Hill, it's very exciting the way that it's gone, the way that God has spoken to us, the way that prayer has been answered, the faithfulness of been people praying, the way God has opened the door, the hard work that John and Annette and Steve have put in behind the scenes 
in getting this to happen for us. But it's a new opportunity for us. God is giving us a bigger plant pot. And it's not something that we've forced. It's just us responding to the Spirit of God. So exciting. And I believe this morning that God wants to... That's good music, isn't it? Dance along. But I believe that this morning that we can have a barrenness in our life. You know, barren. Whether you don't know Jesus, the solution there is pretty easy. Get to know him. Or as Christians, as many of us are, there can still be a barrenness in our life and a lack of fruitfulness. But we are in the vine. We are connected to Jesus Christ. We are connected to a good father. And I just want to say that I'd like to encourage you with a scripture reminding you that God is one who redeems our mistakes. That there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that God offers a fresh start despite our mistakes. Even if Ishmael is still running around your feet, that doesn't stop Isaac from coming. I want to encourage you out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. And without sounding weird, I'd just like the Holy Spirit to minister this to you as we close. It says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very, from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're worried about where we're going as a church, remember this. Be confident that God started a good work in you and he will bring it to completion in Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And that all starts with one verse before that, in verse 2. It said, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. And I want to thank you that your word tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for those who feel condemned even when they come to your word or to prayer because of stuff in the past. And Father, I want to thank you that you do not condemn, but that you are still a God who brings about an Isaac. You're still a God who gives promises, who gives hope, who gives life. 
who gives descendants, a God so full of grace. And Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters that your grace and your peace would rest on us. And Lord God, that you would continue to shepherd us and lead us in the right way, that the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ might be extended and that we would witness and be part of an outbreak of the authentic power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and that we would see men and women and young people set free and come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. That Jesus, that you would build your church. Father, we worship you. In ourselves, we are weak and personally feel incredibly inadequate. But Lord, I want to thank you that your spirit is very strong and you choose ordinary people like us. Father, thank you for this church. Bless and increase us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.